You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Isaiah is often referred to as the Gospel of the Old Testament. Even though Jesus is never explicitly named in the text, he's all over the text when he talks about a suffering servant, when he talks about a servant that's there to restore, to redeem, to give hope, to heal. His ministry begins and he calls all the marginalized into that ministry too. And so it's a, it's a new breaking in. There are places on the earth where kingdoms really do bow down to the king and they seek to follow the suffering servant. And when that happens, the, the goodness of God is, is manifest in unique ways. So the question is, which kingdom are you going to follow? Which yeah. government are you going to follow? Uh-huh. Which king are you going to follow? Who's your God? His work isn't done, and yet we don't have to wait for his work to happen. It's happening. Merry Christmas season. Uh, It's not Christmas yet, but uh, it's really good to be here this morning. My name is Pastor Jake, and uh, uh, if I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you as well. If you're listening online or on the app uh, or on a podcast, uh, we'd like to say hi to you as well this Sunday. Uh, Tell me, uh, show of hands, how many of you have your Christmas tree up already? All right, like virtually everybody, maybe 90, 95%. How many of you had it up the week before Thanksgiving? Anyone? We got what? Two? Okay. All right. What about uh, two weeks before Thanksgiving? Anyone? Any hands? Is there one somewhere? I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to find the most. Oh, one back there. Okay. All right. Uh, I was trying to find the most festive person in the room. Kayla was trying to convince me uh, to put it up the day after Halloween. And I said, absolutely not. I I just cannot do that. I love Christmas. Um, I loved Christmas growing up, especially. I love the day after Thanksgiving, the tradition of putting up the tree and getting out the ornaments. I love listening to the Christmas music for the first time. I love the anticipation of Christmas morning. I could go on and on and on about the things that I love about Christmas. But as I've grown up, there are certainly some things about Christmas uh, that I've grown to dislike. And don't worry, I'm not going to get on a soapbox or anything this morning telling you how you should feel or whatever about Christmas. But, but I have noticed that Christmas can affect us in different ways. It tends to accentuate all the good things in life. It also tends to accentuate um, all that's wrong and all that's missing in our lives. Um, It's become in many ways a kind of a a consumeristic, materialistic type of holiday above everything else. Um, There's there's cultural pressures, there's family pressures, there's all this pressure to to do things you... uh, that don't do any good, uh, to spend money that you don't have. And you know, the list, the list could go on. The point is that I've just grown uh, to realize that it's really easy in our culture to forget what the true meaning of Christmas is. So let me briefly this morning just remind us as we begin this Christmas season what Christmas is about, and it's this. 
is that the almighty God above us humbled himself to be here among us. As we start this Advent season, as we look forward to Christmas, the goal, the point of these tradition, of these traditions, is to receive the gift of God's joy, of God's hope, of God's peace, and of God's love. Christmas is not about gifts, it's not about presents, uh, it's not about music or, or, or trees or, or lights or even family. Now, I'm going to go as far as to say it's not even about family. It's all good. It's all good stuff, but it's not what it's about. What it's about is being close with a God who wants to be close with you. First and foremost, it's about intimacy with God. And so what I want to suggest this morning to all of us, including myself, as we enter into this season, is firstly, to say no to the things which separate you from God. Feel free to say no. I, I know the pressures that a lot of us feel to, to do things, to spend money we don't have, right? And social media makes all of this worse, and family makes all of this worse, and there's, there's pressures. Culture makes all of this worse. There are pressures to do things that just simply separate us from God, because I guess that's what you're supposed to do on Christmas, but that's not what Christmas is about. Say no to the things that separate you from God. You know, if your wife wants you to, to put up lights in the house, and if, that's, if that separates you from God, just tell her to do it. <laughs> See how that goes down. <laughs> I'm kidding. There, you may have to bite the bullet a few times this Christmas season, okay? But even more importantly, even more importantly, say yes to the things that bring you close to God. Use this season as a time where you can, you can develop a new practice of reading scripture every morning, of, of praying, every, having conversation with God on a, on a daily basis. Go through Isaiah with us, a chapter a day this month. Listen to music that brings you close to God. Do you, I mean, I, learn to find joy in serving people. Spend time with your kids. Uh, take a break from social media for the month. You know, just, but this is what the season is about. And let's keep that in mind as we move forward. Now, our messages this month are in the book of Isaiah. And uh, Isaiah was a name of an Old Testament, uh, of a prophet that lived about in the 8th century before Jesus Christ. Um, this book, as we saw in that video, is often referred to as the gospel of the Old Testament. It is full of, of images, um, sometimes just glimpses or hints, but other times these vivid displays of, of Jesus Christ. Even though he's never named, it is so clearly looking forward to the coming of Christ in this book that was written hundreds of years before he was born. It's the gospel of the Old Testament. And today's text speaks to a people who really need that. We're going to be reading from Isaiah 40. Um, God here is speaking to a people who have been suffering, to a people who are hurting, to a people who uh, feel distanced from God, who haven't known his comfort in a really long time. And I'm thinking just maybe, if we pause for a second, I want everyone to pause for a second and ask yourself, how close am I with God? 
How close am I with God? If we do that, I think that a common answer might be not very close. Not as close as I'd like to be. I I don't have peace. I don't wake up every day with joy. I'm not full of God's love in my heart. And I'm anxious and I'm, um, I'm overworked. Maybe that's your answer to this, this morning. And if so, then this, this message from God in Isaiah, I think, speaks to you. But we gotta pause. We gotta ask ourselves this question. I find in the Christian, in the Christian life, it is so easy to go days or weeks or even months, sometimes even years. I meet people who've gone years without really just pausing to ask, how close am I with God? It's like evaluate how this relationship is going, right? Doesn't mean they haven't been serving in the church. Doesn't mean they haven't been being a morally good person, you know, whatever, generally speaking. But, but is that what it really means to be close with God? We gotta acknowledge this. So let's start in Isaiah uh, chapter 40, verses one through five. And we're gonna do some select passages through Isaiah, okay? So this is the first one that we're gonna read. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That's an important phrase that we're gonna come back to. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now the first thing I want us to notice in this scripture is a God who is ready. He is ready to comfort his people. He's ready to forgive their sin. He's ready to end their suffering, but only after they've suffered a little while. We go back to that phrase that I pointed out. Listen to this. He says, comfort, yes, comfort my people. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended. I want to end the war, that her iniquity is pardoned. I want to forgive their sins. Why? Because Israel has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, Israel had been disobedient for a long, long time. They'd been unfaithful. They'd broken God's covenant. They'd worshiped other gods. They've done all kinds of things over time to make God angry, and they promised they wouldn't do them again, and they kept doing them anyway. And there came a point where God just said, I I can't let you do this to yourselves or or to the world or to me anymore. You've got to pay for what you've done in some form or fashion. And so God sends the Babylonians to come in. And the Babylonians uh, wreak havoc and they burn the city and they take over the country. um, And Israel is exiled to Babylon, and it's this horrible, horrible time for the nation of Israel. And I know this is a really hard thing for some of us to wrap our minds around. This isn't the God that, that we always believe in. But it's easy to fall into this trap of saying that because God is love, and because he hates to see us suffer, and those two things are true, 
that when we mess up, he's just gonna bail us out every time. That he's just gonna be like a snowplow, just, just paving the way for us to live any life that we want to live, sparing us of the consequences, right? And I know this first, firsthand, what it's like to, to screw up and to repent of my sins and just expect God to, to, I mean, yes, he forgives me, but expect him to make everything good and gravy again, just right away. And that's not always how it works. It can't be how it works. If he's love, if he is love, then he must at times let us face the consequences of our own actions. And sometimes the worst consequences beyond just the circumstantial things in our life that are a result of our own mess ups and sins is a loss of of closeness and intimacy with God. It's a loss of his peace and his joy and his love and his comfort. And that's just a reality that I think a lot of us are living in today. It's a reality as Christians that we've just, we've got to understand that when we sin, we separate ourselves from God and that it's not always an easy fix. It's a breach of trust in that relationship. I I pride myself uh, at times, I used to, especially anyway, of being someone who in in a relationship is quick to uh, admit when I'm wrong and, uh, and say that I'm sorry, right? That's, it's never been a hard thing for me. But what I've learned over time is that I'm, I'm really good at doing that, um, but I have really high expectations that the person I apologize to will just get over it immediately because I'm over it, right? I've said I'm sorry. I'm, can we just move on from this, right? And it doesn't work that way. Nor, sometimes maybe it, it does. But when you really mess up, there have been times when I've really messed up in my marriage. And it's just not appropriate for my wife to get over that stuff right away. It's the same with, and it's the same with God. And the flip side of this is that God isn't, isn't, you know, standing up in heaven with his arms crossed saying, I hope you learned your lesson. You got what you deserved. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't be discouraged don't give up. <laughs> I'm going to come and help you. I will bring comfort. But for this time, you must lie in your own bed that you've made. So does God get angry? Yes. Does he stay angry? No. And after a time of, of learning and suffering and facing the consequences of our own actions, he will return. He will return and he will bring comfort. And what we do in this time, when we feel not so close to God, what we do in this time is really important. All right, and that's what we're gonna, what we're gonna uh, learn as we read a little bit further. Let's go on to verses nine through 11. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up to the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. 
I want you to, I'm going to go back to the beginning of that passage real quick. I want you to listen to what the scripture is telling us to do. Remember, this is speaking to a people who are, who are suffering, who've been hurting, who are far from God, and they're needing his comfort. And here's what it says. O Zion, people of God, get up into the high mountain. Go to a high mountain. O Jerusalem, people of God, lift up your voice with strength. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, say to the world, behold, your God. The instruction here to the people of God in these times where we're far from God, in these times when we've been made low, the instruction is to climb to the top of the mountain and proclaim God's goodness to place our faith and our confidence in God's promises. And man, is that hard to do. Man, is that hard to do. I, you know what I do? More often than not, I resort to complaining. When my circumstances in life aren't great, when I feel far from God, he doesn't seem to be present, he doesn't seem to be working things out in my favor, Favor. what I tend to do most often is just complain. Even if I don't outwardly complain, I'm just complaining to myself or I'm complaining to God. And right here, Isaiah says, no, don't complain. Go up to a high mountain and place your faith in God. Proclaim his goodness. So what's the narrative that we're, that we're telling ourselves? you know? What's, the, what's the, the narrative that we're telling the world by the way that we suffer? In these low times, in these times where we're distant from God, what are we telling God when we just complain, you know? I believe that every one of these instances is really an opportunity. It's a, it's a test of our faith. And I just hear God telling me in these times, just, Jake, do you believe what I promised you or not? What I'm learning in my life, too, is that um, this decision to place my faith in God, to proclaim his goodness, even when my circumstances aren't great, what I'm, what I'm learning is that actually is a choice that I have. At times it feels like every inch of my body just wants to despair. And I just can't let go of, of the circumstances around me and the anxiety and the fear. And just you, you, you go on and on and on. But I'm learning that I really do at any given time have the power, the God-given power to choose to proclaim the Lord's favor. It's a choice. It's a decision that can be made. And as hard as it is, what I'm learning is that when I do it, it changes things. And God blesses me. And I'll bless you too. Okay, let's move on. Verses 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait 
on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sure, it'd be nice to have an easy button, wouldn't it? In these times, it'd be nice to just, bam, easy. Ah, but we do. You see, the easy button is giving into temptation. The easy button right in front of us at all times is, is giving into temptation. The easy button is pleasing people before pleasing God. The easy button is indulging ourselves in things, inundating ourselves with technology, staying busy, and just, just filling ourselves with junk and staying so busy because that's easier. That's the easy button. Because stopping, because pausing, because waiting, because taking a break is too hard. Because that's when it becomes real. Because that, it's in that space that we have to think, like reflect on how things actually are in our lives. And I know, I get it, how difficult it can be to just not press that easy button. I press it all the time. But wasn't it Jesus who said that the, the gate is wide? The gate and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and those who find it are many. The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The way of Christ is truly, truly hard. And it's not a life where we can just press that easy button. And at times I've thought that if I just, we kind of talked about this before, but if I just, if I just approach God, and I say, God, I'm sorry, or God, I, just, I, I need you. God, please, I need you for, for X, Y, or Z. You know, I just expect his, his grace, I expect, I expect his blessings to just be bestowed on me in that very minute. Is on-demand God, you know? Is genie in a bottle type of God. That's what I expect a lot of times. And I think part of that, I'm just a product of our culture that just is so on demand. We can just get things at our fingertips in seconds. Or I mean, before you know it, Amazon's going to be dropping packages with, like, via drones an hour after you order. I mean, just, it's an on-demand culture. We can't wait. We're not good at waiting. But you see, if, if God were just to, to give us what we asked for, the moment we asked for it every time, who would be the God of who? Wouldn't that seem as if, if, as if I was God's master, as if you were God's master? And in that case, you see grace, this unearned gift, wouldn't be grace at all. It'd be, it'd be a product. It'd be an on-demand product. That's it. The message here to us this morning is to wait on the Lord. It's patience. Those who wait, when we wait, God will return. 
If we don't wait, we'll never know. But God will return with exactly what we need and exactly when we need it. But we gotta wait. Now this morning, we've got Holy Communion. I just love this sacrament. Love, love this sacrament. Because here, even though you might be in a time where you've gotta wait a little bit, where you gotta suffer a little bit, I'm kind of there right now, too, in, in a few ways. And, but this, you don't have to wait on. Communion, this is the immediate presence of Jesus Christ here among us. And the one thing that God doesn't make us wait on is his love. This is forgiveness. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he lifted up the bread among his disciples. He gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. After the dinner was over, he lifted up the cup. He said, this is my blood which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And any time you do this, Paul says, you proclaim the day, the death of the Lord and his coming until he does eventually return. It's in this sacrament where whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, it doesn't matter. Every one of us has an opportunity to go up to that mountaintop and proclaim the day of the Lord. To place our faith in him, no matter your circumstances in life, and say, God, I trust you. I wait on you, and I receive you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We need this. Uh, we really, we really, really need this, God. Um, I'm weak. We're all so weak. We faint. We grow weary so quickly. And Jesus, even you became weak. You grew weary. It's like to be human, and you know that type of suffering. You know that type of life. But what separates you from us, Jesus, is Jesus, you were patient. You had real faith. It took you to the cross. So God, this morning we choose. We choose to place our faith in you. Because we know that even though we are weak, you are strong. There's no reason for us to dwell on our weakness or to dwell on our circumstances. We pray, God, for you to come and to bring comfort. And we know that you will. We know that you will. And it might be after we suffer a little while, and that's okay. We're willing to wait. We love you, and we need you. I pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and juice, that they might be for us your body and your blood.
and that we might become for the world the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Lift us up, sustain us, empower us to love like you do. And it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen.